Thanks for listening to Letters from War. Just a quick note, some of the letters included in this series contain racist and pejorative language, including in descriptions of Japanese and German forces and accounts of war that may be upsetting to some listeners. February 22nd, 1944. Dear Johnny, well, what do you say to these cold winter days back there, Johnny? I have quite a bit to tell you, and I guess it doesn't make much difference where I start. You already know we've been in action again, and we really gave them hell on Kwajalein Island and the Marshalls. And though it was taken in only a few days, there were still plenty of those yellow bastards giving us a bad time even after all the bombarding our Navy and Air Corps gave them. Things were going along in good shape in the early stages of the campaign, and then we pushed the Japs on one corner of the island. This was a scene of close-in fighting on this last night of hell. Believe me, it was a regular nightmare. My job in this operation was a heavy machine gun squad leader, as it was on Atu. I was in a foxhole with a buddy, and the machine gun was well-concealed. Wham! Shell just misses us. Wham! Another right behind us. The machine gun lets go with a roar, mowing down some Japs several yards away. My machine gun keeps mowing them down all night. It's getting near dawn now. We let go with hand grenades to wipe out a bunch of Japs in a trench just in front of us. What's this? The Japs are throwing everything they've got at us and they're on both sides of us and closing in. Shells are landing all around my gun. Looks like they've found my position. Some of the fellows are getting their knives ready. The machine gun is still barking, and wham! A shell lands right in my foxhole, blowing us both up in the air. Don't know how high I went, and I guess it doesn't make much difference as I got up and made my way to a nearby shell hole as best I could, cussing. There, a medic fixed up the shrapnel wound in my left side as best he could. Just then the Japs were rushing, screaming wildly, and our gunners were just pouring it into them. I guess I'll never know how many of those slant-eyed heathens my gun mowed down all that night. But when dawn came and the tropical sun was shining brightly, the Japs were piled in lines near our position, and it would have taken an adding machine to total them all up. I'm laid up in a hospital somewhere in the Hawaiian Islands now and getting along fine and eating the best of chow. This is sure different than my foxhole with its rain and mud, lizards, land crabs, and insects with no sleep and little food in four days. I'm glad it's over and it's a great bunch of fighters, these American lads. And we bested the smart, tricky, and cunning Jap at his own game, night close-in fighting. Boy, it was a beautiful operation, Johnny. And we had the best support an outfit could get. The Navy, Air Corps, and artillery, and believe me, they did a great job of bombarding. Every man in my company is receiving a citation for breaking up the enemy's last big counterattack on that last night, which meant saving our already hard-earned gains. The general was here yesterday and pinned an oak leaf cluster on me, which is an addition to my previously earned Purple Heart. But I'll never forget that last night in the marshals. Those medics on the battlefield are a great bunch and deserve all the praise in the world. Scared. There's too much going on to be scared. 
There were no atheists in the foxholes on Kwajalein, and somehow a fellow can feel God is close in combat, and in tight spots it's good to know he's there. The Allies are on the move, and there's nothing that's going to stop us, eh, Sarge? See you again via letter, and in the meantime, how about a big smile? Adios, love, and best wishes. Pitchy. Ralph wrote to his worried family about what had happened from Hawaii, where he was in a hospital bed. After their success on a two, U.S. commanders had selected Ralph's division to assault Kwajalein, a series of islands that made up Japan's outermost defensive perimeter. It was the first U.S. advance into the outer ring of Japanese defenses. In February 1944, Ralph and the rest of the 7th Infantry Division landed on Kwajalein. Like on a two, the Japanese were greatly outnumbered, but chose to fight to the end. 4,300 Japanese soldiers were killed. The U.S. lost 142, with another 845 wounded. Ralph was among them, and this time, it was serious. During a final bloody Japanese charge, Ralph was hit with a shell and blown 20 feet out of his foxhole. He had shrapnel in his lung. Frank also was in a hospital, a psychiatric hospital, this time in Washington, D.C. Letters show that while the family was hailing Ralph as a hero and worried about his recovery, they were more confused about Frank. They either didn't want to accept or couldn't understand the mental condition he suffered. With Ralph and Frank back in the United States dealing with the aftermath of war, the brothers' hope for the youngest, John, had so far come true. John had not seen combat. John, Sarge they often called him, was putting his skills as a mechanic to use. He was working on airplane engines, first in Nebraska during training, and then at Wendover Field in Utah. And as the other boys tried to readjust to life after combat, the Sarge's place in the story of the Pacific Front was just about to begin. World News Today, brought to you by the Admiral Corporation, makers of Admiral Radio, America's smart set. By shortwave broadcast. The Japs' plan of defense in the Pacific has been pretty badly bent, if not indeed broken up, by current unexpected attacks of the forces of Admiral Chester Nimitz in the Central Pacific. The Jap seems to be reacting characteristically. His forward forces have gone all to pieces, as we say. His main... February 21st, 1944. Dear Ralph, how are you feeling, Ralph? Let's get well real fast, huh? Golly, Ralph, you've surely done a magnificent job for your country. I was really shocked at the news of your being wounded again, and believe it or not, I bawled like a baby, and right in front of everybody... I guess Musha must have taken it pretty hard. Everything is the same here, Pulpin. I'm still putting the 17s and Liberators in the skies. We'll write you soon, Ralph. And in the meantime, keep smiling, and we'll all see you at home soon, I hope. Adios for now. Love, 
Johnny. April 17th, 1944. Dear Ralph. So, how goes it, Ralph? I, I see everything coming along okay with you, I hope. Everything's the same here. The rumors still moving as usual. And me, still here, as usual. Worked inside tonight, thank goodness, as it was plenty cold and windy out tonight. Quite unusual weather, yes indeed. I put on a new de-icer boot on the B-17's right wing, which is an easy job, but you have to do a lot of stretching. Received a letter from Frank today, and he's in the Naval Hospital. Seems poor Frank has a little mental trouble, but know everything will be all right by him in a short time. I think it was the booze, but now that he's on a buttermilk and milk diet, it should help him a lot. What do you think? Before I forget it, I want to tell you of an embarrassing moment that happened at the ranch while eating dinner. We were talking about Sandy and Olive says, is Sanford 4F? And I say, no, he's got an important job. And Edith says some, someone told her in one of her letters that Sanford was 4F. So I was in somewhat of a heck of a mess, but I managed to change the subject. <laughs> anyway, Ralph, this is just between me and you. Frank most likely mentioned it in one of his letters to Edith, but this is nothing to worry about. It seems my paper is catching up to my ink, so I think I'll rest your nerves and let you relax in comfort. So long, Ralph. Good luck, and see you soon. Love, your bud, John. Tuesday, May 2nd, 1944. Dear Mom, Dad, and Sanny, Greetings again from San Francisco. All's well here and still awaiting shipping orders, which will be coming in any day now, most likely the latter part of the week. I talked to Doc into letting me go to Los Altos on Sunday and Monday, and it was a swell time I had there. Aunt Olive asked about the battle, and I told them what happened, but not saying too much. It was the first home I'd been in in 13 months, and then it was Uncle Oscar's place that I last visited before shoving off. It sure seemed odd sitting in a house full of furniture and everything else that a home has. Boy, I've sure got to get used to how to live among people again. You'd be surprised how much a fellow has to learn over. But I'm a fast learner and everything will come back to me in no time at all. It's getting near closing time, so I'll be saying so long for this time. Get those meatballs on and I'll be there to eat them all, Ma. Love and best wishes, Ralph. Tuesday, May 23rd, 1944. Dear Mom, Dad, and Sanny, Here it is Tuesday, and each day is drawing closer to the time I'll come barging in the front door yelling for food and picking you all up off the floor. Don't worry about Frank, because he's okay. Harry is sure right when he says those doctors, many of them, should be the patients. I just received a letter from Frank, and he sounds like his old self. We're all in different moods all the time, and it'd be an odd person who laughs 24 hours a day or talks 24 hours a day, yes sir. There are German war prisoners working on the lawns here. They're all guarded. I guess they're pretty happy at being prisoners and done with the war. Or maybe they're still pretty cocky and think they're going to win. Isn't that a laugh, though? <laughs> Saying so long for now, but I'll be seeing you all very soon. Get that sleep, Musha. And have that door open when I come rushing in. Wee! See you soon. Love and best wishes. Ralph L.E.
June 7th, 1944. Dear Musha, here I am in my room, which took me less than half an hour to secure. I'm just a few blocks away from the National Theater, where at 8.30 I shall see the Ten Little Foxes. Saw Frank this noon from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. and plan to see him again Friday noon 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. when he promises to show me the grounds and view from the same. He has gained weight and is looking like his good old self at 190 pounds. I gave Frank a book on mathematics and he was happy to see me. He said that if he does what they want him to do, he'll be released something like five weeks. Say hello to Ralph and John. As ever, SIG. More than two and a half months ago, a combined squadron of Army and Navy Liberators made two daring long-distance flights over Guam. The Navy planes were armed with cameras as well as guns. The Army went along to help protect them during their dangerous mission. This week, when American troops stormed ashore to recover the first American outpost that fell to the Japanese, their commanders had detailed last-minute maps of the island, thanks to the pictures taken by Victor Dog Cruz. Well, Tinian has been a bit overshadowed by Guam. But Tinian is, is an extremely important... Uh, ...has the most valuable airfield in the Marianas with paved runways and well-built dispersal areas. Tinian was a very necessary island for us to take. In this amphibious warfare in the Pacific, taking an island like Tinian may be compared in importance to the taking of one of the great fortress cities in the European conflict. The official German news agency, DNB, says the Japanese are evacuating Manila. A broadcast recorded in London by the Associated Press said the town of Manila is being evacuated and a number of restrictions on passenger traffic have been issued by President Jose Laurel, head of the Japanese puppet government in the Philippines. And now, Admiral takes you... Monday, October 23rd, 1944. Dear John... It's the Pope dropping in to say hello again from this chain gang state of Alabama. As you already know, the Philippines have been invaded. My outfit, the 7th Division, was one of the eight divisions making the initial beachheads along a 75-mile front. And no kidding, Johnny, it's pretty hard to be cooped up in a place like this training recruits when all a fellow's buddies are over there in the thick of it again. Makes you feel like you should be there putting in your two cents worth. And I sure wouldn't mind being back with the lads and in that crack first platoon. Keep your eyes on the 7th to carry the brunt of the attack into Luzon and Manila. Right now they're on Leyte and old MacArthur is about to crush the Jap 16th Division, which was responsible for the march of death on Bataan in 1942. And I'll lay you 10 to 1 that it'll be the good old 7th up against a Jap 16th. It'll take a good four months to get control of all the Philippines. But we're beginning to roll now, and that's what counts. Well, boy, it's time to bring this piece of nomenclature to a close with best wishes and pleasant dreams to Harvard's best crown crewmen. See you soon in another of my letters of nothing. Take care of yourself and get that sleep. Ralph. Friday, November 10th, 1944. Dear John, well, Johnny, the election is all over and FDR came out in front again. He was the best bet this time, considering coming world events. Lots of people figure he'll be a dictator. They forget that the Congress can always throw anyone out of office if it sees fit. Say howdy to everyone and keep up the good work on those B-29s. Because the whole nation has its eyes on those 29s and you're part of the greatest air machine ever built. And that's something to be proud of, yes siree. 
Keep me posted on everything and best of luck to you and your new B-29. Lots of love and luck. Ralph. General MacArthur's troops are continuing their push up Mindoro Island and meeting with little ground resistance. At the same time, United States headquarters in the Pacific reveal that 742 Jap planes have been put out of action in the past week. B-29s based in China today smashed at airplane factories in Omura, key town in western Kyushu Island at the southern end of the Japanese homeland. You think we're close to our goal of complete defeat of the Japanese? The hardest part of the war lies ahead of us. As we get closer to the Japanese homeland, the Japanese determination and fanaticism becomes even greater. Their military strength also... December 27th, 1944. Dear Dad, this is my first letter to you all from my new home somewhere in the Pacific. Did Ralph make it home okay? There is a lot to see where I'm at. A lot of Jap buildings, dugouts, Jap pillboxes and the like. Don't worry about me, I'm in good hands and in a good outfit. We'll write another day. Guess I'll call this quits now and be sure to write soon. Lots of love to all. John. That was the last concrete piece of information that John could provide his family for a good long while. John the mechanic, the one who had been out of the fray throughout the war, was now overseas. He was sent to the island of Tinian, repairing B-29 Super Fortress bombers as they returned from assaults on Japan. Compared to the B-17s he had been working on earlier, the B-29s were bigger, newer, and had greater ranges. Tinian is part of the Mariana Islands, and when it was captured by U.S. Marines, it became a key base for waging aerial assaults against Japan. The B-29s John was repairing were a linchpin in that strategy. First of all, about the situation in general out here. Things are the same here on Tinian, and I am kept as busy as ever with my electrical work, and I assure you, there has been a lot of repairing to do. I would also like to go into detail about some happenings and such, but you know, it would be cut out anyway, so no use writing them. Japan hasn't seen one one-hundredth of the blastings she's going to in the near future. The British Lancaster and Lincolns will soon be over, and with their 11-ton bombs, they should be able to push disaster on any underground factories that may be in Japan. Well, see you a little later, Pulpin, and in the meantime, take it easy. Lots of love to all, John. It was from Tinian, with John's B-29s, that an aerial assault against Tokyo in March of 1945 burned half the city to the ground, killing more than 800,000 people. Later, the Japanese would call it the Night of the Black Snow. The aerial assaults on Japan continued for months. The hope was to weaken Japanese forces enough to bring the war to an end, without the human cost it would take to successfully invade Japan. By July of 1945, President Harry Truman became convinced that the only way to force Japan into a surrender was to drop an atomic bomb. And so, on the island of Tinian, 
the first atomic bomb for combat use was assembled. And then it was loaded onto an airplane, a B-29 bomber called the Enola Gay. I have just returned from the White House where it has just been announced that the United States is now using an atomic bomb, the most powerful explosive yet developed. At the White House, Ibn Ayers, presidential press secretary, released a statement by the president of the United States on the atomic bomb. Here is President Truman's statement. The world will note that the first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, a military base. We won the race of discovery against the Germans. We have used it in order to shorten the agony of war, in order to save the lives of thousands and thousands of young Americans. We shall continue to use it until we completely destroy Japan's power to make war. crowded hours have moved with lightning swiftness since we heard the Jap radio say that Japan would quit if she could keep her emperor. These reports are still unconfirmed, but they have set a whole world in motion. To this moment, we don't know whether they are true or not. And as of this moment, the governments of the United States, Great Britain, Soviet Russia, and China are trying to find the basis of agreement on which they can file their reply to Japan. The generally accepted American attitude is that the decision... A message to leave from the Japanese government in reply to the message forwarded to that government by the Secretary of State on August 11th. I deem this reply a full acceptance of the Potsdam Declaration, which specifies the unconditional surrender of Japan. In the reply, there is no qualification. Arrangements are now being made for the formal signing of the surrender terms at the earliest possible moment. The proclamation of VJ Day must await upon the formal signing of the surrender terms by Japan. Newsmen rush the president's report to a waiting world. And through the early evening, Tuesday, August 14th, the fateful news is flashed. In New York City, as throughout a rejoicing nation and world, Vast throngs of grateful, happy people celebrate the end of fighting, the dawn of peace. Two million New Yorkers jam Times Square. It's official. It's all over. It's total victory. All night long, the rejoicing continues. Never before in history has there been greater reason to be thankful for peace. The world's free people are united in their determination that the world's peace shall never be endangered again. Yeah.